Hello, everyone. I'm Jill McCormick. I'm Robin Wall. And this is Afraid Not Podcast. We're so glad you're listening in for our sixth episode. And you might notice that Jill sounds a little huskier than normal. (laughs) This is my husky voice. Um, Also, you will not hear me on this podcast. This will be all Robin, and she did a great job. I had Jill's support, though. (laughs) I was here producing, but I had zero voice at all on that day. So other than a few squeaks, you will not hear me on this one. But I was present. We had an amazing conversation with Eden Trenum, and we are so excited for you to listen in. Eden is a fantastic person. You're going to love her as much as we do. She is a wife, a mom, a freelance worship leader, a high school teacher, and she shares with us her ongoing journey through grief after losing her mom suddenly. Psalm 46.1 says, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. And she'll talk about how God brought her through grief and is still bringing her through that ongoing process of grief. We talk a little bit about what to do for people that are dealing with grief and what, um, what not to do possibly sometimes when somebody's dealing with grief. So we hope you enjoy this episode of Afraid Not. So welcome to the show, Eden. Thank you for having me. We're so glad you're here today. And we got to tell you, uh, listeners, that you're going to be noticing that you don't hear very much from Jill today. Jill, you want to give a little whisper over there? Hi. <laughs> Jill woke up this morning, and she had no voice. No voice. So she's here in spirit. <laughs> I'll whisper. <laughs> and today, our conversation is going to be so much fun to have Eden here and I'd just like to start off by asking you, Eden, tell us a little bit about you. What makes you tick? What's your day-to-day life? Yeah, awesome. Um, I am a teacher, uh, and so I teach on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and every other Friday I have this part-time gig, and it's awesome. Um, I teach high school science, so I spend time with a bunch of high schoolers and um, do biology and anatomy and chemistry, kind of the whole works uh, with them, and I love it. I never planned on being a teacher, but I really have enjoyed it a lot. Um, I'm married to Brandon. He uh, is the children's pastor at First Baptist Owasso, and um, we've been married almost four years, so we'll celebrate our fourth anniversary in March. Um, I have a two-year-old, and she's awesome, and I'm most days just trying to keep up with her, and then we're expecting our second baby in March, so just stay busy um, as our family's kind of growing. That's kind of my daily ins and outs. It's awesome. Yeah. What is uh, Aspen's personality, your two-year-old? Oh, my. Um, well, Aspen is amazing, and she doesn't walk. She runs constantly. <laughs> so she her, her whole life is kind of at a pace that's a little bit faster than um, a lot of other kids her age. Um, she goes to preschool at the church on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and absolutely loves it she's very social so if we're if we are stuck at home too long or we're inside for too much time she gets pretty antsy and wants to get out and move around and go um see people she's so social um so she keeps me busy she keeps me on my toes so tell me how you met Brandon okay well uh Brandon and I met at the church at Battle Creek he was on staff in their student area um doing kind of outreach and different things like that and I was doing worship uh, volunteering in different areas and ended up in the youth and started uh, wanting to do some volunteer stuff there. So he got my phone number for uh, strictly for business reasons. Strictly for business purposes, of course. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and so one thing kind of led to another and we ended up going on a few dates and fell in love fast and got married about a year later. So it was That's pretty sweet. Yeah, it was a simple Simple little love story. Um, so you mentioned that you were doing worship when he yeah. was there. So tell us about that. How did you get started with leading worship? Yeah, um, I really loved music growing up. I played piano. My parents put me in classical piano, and I, of course, hated that for a very long time. You hated it? <laughs> yes. I, my teachers were really strict, and um, but I'm so thankful for it. Eventually, they let me quit, and I learned guitar, and... Uh, then in college, I did a lot of, I led worship at my, at the college that I went to, and somehow I crossed paths with um, Alex and Maya. He came to our school to speak, and he was like, 
he suggested that I should get plugged in because I told him I had visited Battle Creek a couple times. So I reached out to their worship leader, uh, Michael Letton, and he got me plugged in, and it was some of the richest experiences of my life, just being on that team with Michael Letton and a few others. And so that's really kind of how that got started at, at Battle Creek. And I had done a lot of worship before that, but that really kind of launched me into a new realm of understanding um, how to be part of a team, how to lead a team, um, and kind of that we did it. We actually did a recording project there and put out an album, and that was the first time I'd ever done an album or been part of recording, and that was a really, really awesome experience for me. I think helped contribute to the future of what I would kind of walk into with music and worship and all of that. So do you look back at that now and see that all those things were really shaping you for what yes. your future would hold? Yes, I felt like before that I was kind of just this baby musician who really, I was not very confident, I was not very good at guitar even. I just kind of was able and so I had kind of filled a role and that was really where I felt like someone took me under their wing and trained me and it was really, really important time for, for worship and for me as a worship leader. So. And I would say it is definitely safe to say you have taken off. Anyone who's <laughs> led worship for the women's retreat at Falls Creek, which is for 3,000 women, that's not just a little gig. That's a big yeah. deal. And you've had yeah. several opportunities that are very yeah. big like that. Am I correct? Yeah, we've had. That was by far the biggest, but we've had a lot of... Uh, so Brandon is my... He's my dreamer, and I am kind of the more realistic one. And so he sets... He kind of sees these incredible things that could happen and believes that we can do them and sets the ball in motion. So he started, he start, basically we started a business um, that we could then build a website and do all of that, um, do the worship leading and have people, people started reaching out to us. And so we ended up just traveling all over the place and we did some of the hokiest little things in the world like main street um small town oklahoma worship gigs where we got paid maybe twenty dollars and there was like 10 people there to all the way to falls creek so we sounds like in. you put in the work yeah, yeah we put the work in but uh, <laughs> we've had a lot of really cool opportunities well why don't you tell us your website and we can make sure we link it with our show notes so that people yeah. can check it out yeah it's just eden turnham music and it, by the way, the Trenum, it has the TH in the middle that is, you, you might not know it's there. So it's. Yeah, I don't know why we pronounce it that way. So T R E N T H A M. Yes, Trent Ham. Yes. Yes. Well, we just say it really fast. One of the things that we're so excited about at First Baptist DeWasso in the fact that God has brought your family to our church is not only do we have a fantastic children's minister because Brandon is doing such a great job he with is. our kids, yeah. but oh my goodness, bonus, we get Eden. <laughs> we're so <laughs> You are fantastic, and we love having oh, you lead you. worship. You. We've had several opportunities to have you up on stage, and I see God using you, and I just love for the our church to get to hear from you. Thank you. I appreciate that. I love it. So let's, um, I would like to ask you if you would be willing to share with us and with our listeners about a time in your life, like we are, our podcast is called Afraid Not. So though we are afraid and though things get really tough, we know that God is holding all things together. Like Colossians 117 says, he holds all things together and including us. Right. So yeah. would you tell us about what happened in your life uh, a few years ago? Yeah, I'd love to. Um, well, it was, let's see, I always struggle with where to start and what parts of the story to tell. I could probably talk for three hours about just all the details. So I've been really just praying that God would um, help me pick the right highlights, you know, the things that would be helpful and beneficial and um, that people listening would, would connect to those things. Um, so Your family was really close, right? Yes, my family is really close. So um, let's see, when I was... Uh, let's see, uh, two years ago, two and a half years ago, um, we were, it was just, life was very normal and exciting. We had just found out we were pregnant with Aspen, and I got a um, text message from my dad. We have a family group text message. I don't know if you guys have these. Um, which yeah, we call always, ours family bonding time. Yes, exactly, and there's always, <laughs> you know, a couple of people maybe, I don't know if yours is like ours, that uh, 
that blow up the family group text messages. And you look look away and look back, and there's like 53 text messages. Um, <laughs> so we have that, and it's awesome. We love it. But um, my dad had texted us that my mom was not feeling well, and he was taking her to the doctor or the emergency room or something like that, either urgent care or the emergency room, one of the two. And it was it was kind of funny. It was just a really normal day. Brandon and I had actually gotten in a really weird fight that day. We had He had bought me a brand new guitar because it was right about the time of my birthday. And I just did not react well. I don't know what it was. <laughs> it was like really early on marriage things. Um, we learn so, a lot in those early years. Yes, yeah. So we were kind of, um, we were in a weird place. And then we get this weird text message from my dad. And um, At the moment, were you worried? No, I really wasn't. We got the text and I... I thought, well, maybe she's just dehydrated or something like that. Um, she really was pretty healthy, but she uh, had had lost a lot of weight and was really kind of trying to figure out, well, why am I losing all this weight? Um, and so I, I thought maybe just something like that, like she was dehydrated or they would go to the doctor and put her on an IV and everything would be fine. Um, and, and Brandon was the same way. We just kind of brushed it over like, oh, well, let us know what happens, you know. And we were going to my sister's house for dinner, so we went ahead and went over there and um, time just kind of passed by. We were hanging out there and uh, we got another text that my we, they were really concerned about her and they were taking her to ICU. So we went from something pretty mild and uh, what seemed just like dehydration to uh, pretty critical really fast. So I'm sure it was shocking to hear ICU. Yeah, I think that really put it into perspective for us because my dad is not the kind of person to uh, be super emotive. Like he texts me weird, like thank you, or like puts periods at the end of things and makes them really short, you know, just really curt. Um, mm-hmm. And so we, we didn't really pick up on how emotional he was and how intense the situation was. Um, but he wanted someone to come pick up my little sister who was at the time – uh, 17. So she had been with them this whole time and kind of walked through the whole going to the hospital and he was feeling nervous about her being there um, just because things were getting a little bit more serious. So my brother-in-law went and got her and when he came home was the first time that I realized, okay, there's something seriously wrong here because he was not, he looked just kind of like ghostly and was really concerned and said, we need to go to the hospital. Um, and uh, hours had passed, you know, they had been dealing with all this for a long time. So we loaded up um, and went to the hospital and we got there. And by the time we got to the hospital, she was um, intubated, she was unconscious, um, medicated in a me- medically induced coma, mm. basically. And they were saying things like, you know, we don't really think she's going to make it through the night. And just just the kinds of things that you see on movies, you know, that you... It must have you, felt so surreal. Yeah, it, very surreal and really hard to process and really hard to, uh, in that moment, understand the severity of the situation. So uh, we, we just kind of lived in that ICU waiting room for a, a few days and what had happened is she had a, her blood had gotten all out of whack and had become acidic and that had pretty much um, caused damage all throughout her body and uh, the likelihood of her recovering from that was just really slim. Um, I don't know if we were, had, I don't know if we were just ignorant or what, but we definitely thought that she would recover and we thought that there was a lot of hope, a lot more hope, really, than there really than there was probably if we would have actually had a good understanding of what was happening on a medical level. Um, and I don't think that was anybody's fault. I think that was just us hoping for the best. Um, so, anyways, that there were a lot of highs and lows. We were in the um, ICU waiting room for a really long time. For, I mean, straight for three days, and then so she went in on a Thursday, and then on a Saturday, they pulled us back and said, you know. We, they shut down the ICU in the morning and at night for shift change. And so they kick you out and you have to go somewhere else. And they were kicking us out basically for shift change and said, when you come back, you need to be ready to say goodbye because we've done everything. And she's kind of headed down downhill. Oh, so yeah. that was a very weird. We were all, we all loaded up in the car and went home and 
we just kind of dispersed throughout the house and you know some of us went outside some of us went to different it was just we were all over the place and were you all your siblings all there at this time yeah yeah so yes. my only sister that lives out of town she lives in Denver she had they had she'd flown down on that Friday so she had been able to be there for a little while so we knew when we were going back that that we would be saying goodbye so we kind of prepared for that and um tried to work through what that would look like or what we would want that to look like and then uh, we headed back up and um it was just like a movie we, they took us back to a special waiting room and said we'll call code blue and that'll be our last attempts to save her and then um you know and then eventually we'll have you come back and you can spend time with her at the end and so that was kind of what happened they um went through all of those life-saving processes and uh, and then we got to go back into the room and sit with her while basically she, her heart had stopped, but it, they described it to us that her heart was still kind of like fluttering to a stop. And so kind of in the last moments of her life, we got to just sit in the room with her, no tubes, no anything. So that was really a special time for us to be with her um, there at the end. It must have felt very sacred. Yes, it did. It was, we had been sitting in that room and... Uh, just all the sounds like there's just a lot of sounds and I see rooms and beeping and alarms and hers were constantly going off because her organ she was basically going into total organ failure and um and so we just it was loud and uh, and so to go back in and for her to be we could touch her and just you know while she was not like cold or anything like that, not lifeless right. yet you know just it was I think that was some really precious times for us Mm-hmm. So we sat in there and um, we just spent time with her and I don't know what what I was thinking but at one point I decided that we needed to sing <laughs> a song I don't know why um, and so we sang the doxology we were all speechless so we really I felt like we needed words and I felt like uh, we should send her off however that all works um, with a prayer in a sense you know and so we sang the doxology together. As best we could, and then um, you know, spend mm-hmm. as much time as we wanted, and then left, and that was that was the end of well, it was the beginning of the whole process of burial, but um, that was her passing away. That was her death. So, and that was about a four day thing from from the moment you had even gotten the text yeah. until that moment. Yeah. So it happened really fast. It was Thursday. Um, Thursday was the when they went into the hospital, and um, Saturday was when she passed away, the 18th, June 18th. So, I I have to say it kind of chokes me up thinking about how <laughs> I'm probably going to get a little cheery, just um, how beautiful it is that you chose the doxology yeah. that God put that on your yeah. heart, that because that's all about praising Him. Yeah. And I just see a beauty in that mm-hmm. as a family of believers that you were right there and that you were basically singing her as she left this world and entered heaven, that she mm-hmm. was praising God with you probably. Praise yeah. God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him all creatures here below. Praise him above, ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. I, it's really powerful. Yeah. yeah. It's really, really sweet. Yeah and strong yeah and it was not characteristic I don't know why I just started singing it um I for sure know that it was the Lord obviously it was not me um but it's something that now we talk about a lot um just from that night how comforting and how glad like my dad will say that I'm just so glad you started singing that I'm so glad we sang that over her um just as a way to it almost just put an exclamation point at the end of her life like you know, well done. Like, it was like, kind of our way of honoring her, I think, just mm-hmm. for her legacy of faith. And That's really beautiful. Yeah, yeah. So it was, mm-hmm. it was awesome in that sense. What are some of those moments that in the days that you were waiting and wondering mm-hmm. and in all the weeks and months that followed that, that God met you in your grief? How did God help you through your your stages of being mad or being confused or or how the, what, however you felt. Yeah, I think, um, let, me, let me see how I want to say that. 
my family was, it was the hardest part about the whole situation, I think, was not just that I was experiencing the grief of having lost my mom, but that my dad had lost his wife and that my sisters had lost their mom as well. And yeah. that the babies that were coming and the babies that were already there had lost their grandma. And so watching them, while that was, well that, we talk about that a lot in our family about how that's been one of the most difficult things, just basically the fact that we kind of bear each other's, the burden of each other's grief as well. Um, but having each other, I think, has been one of the ways that God's just provided richly because there's an open line of communication and there is um, freedom to talk about it in whatever way you want to and whatever way you need to. And so that's one of the one of the biggest ways that God, I think, has met all of us in that, in the midst of all of that. Um, another way is just people like our community. We have some incredible friends, and um, they just showed up in in interesting ways and in beautiful ways. Um, people providing meals for us, um, just all of the ways that. All the things that you just are too tired to do and don't want to do. Mm -hmm. People doing those things was just a huge way that we felt surrounded and cared for and like we weren't walking through it alone. Um, even and, and people coming to the funeral, just people's presence. I remember just being so moved by uh, there were there were close to a thousand, maybe over a thousand people at our funeral. Wow. And just yeah, and just so many people yeah. loved her. Yeah, yeah. And just looking through the guest book, we just sat down after the funeral and just read through the guest book. And we were like, oh, my goodness, they came. Oh, my goodness, they came. It was funny, like a wedding almost, but we were, <laughs> you know, but we were just celebrating the fact that she had touched so many people's lives. And Is there a sense of comfort in seeing how many people yes. loved her? Yes. That you loved her so much and that they did too? Yeah, yeah. It was, it was really overwhelming. Um, to just walk into that room and it was packed full. I mean, it really took your breath away when we, it took my breath away when we walked in and, and saw it. So that was, yeah, very comforting to know that she wouldn't be forgotten. I think a lot of people who go through things like that, um, it can be frustrating to feel like the world moves on without them, you know, because your world doesn't ever, you don't uh, necessarily return to how things were, whereas a lot of other people will. You know, because it wasn't something. And you never super, will. Yeah, and we never will. Right. And so it really is comforting when people say it, that they're still thinking about her, that it still affects their life because that feels less uh, lonely and less permanent and mm -hmm. as if she kind of, her legacy lives on. And tell so. us your mom's name and tell us Nancy. some of the wonderful things Nancy. about her. Um, she was a teacher. Her, her whole life, her career was teaching. Um, she was a brilliant teacher. She was well-read, and uh, she was a hostess. So we, our house was always full of people, and she was an incredible cook. And so we, our life revolved around meals and people being there for meals. Um, she was uh, so kind and yet so incredibly strong and devoted to her um, beliefs that she wasn't the kind of person that would trample anyone else with, their, with her beliefs, but she was un, unwavered buy anything um, and so she really uh, was strong and set set us up to be strong women she raised us to be strong women um, and without uh, without pretending to be something that we weren't and um, she was uh, she loved words so her love language was she wrote us notes all the time and sent us little letters all the time at school mm. and that was really meaningful yeah, and sweet. She was the kind of mom that she, like, as as we had kids, I didn't get to experience this, but my sister did, that uh, she would never sh give you advice necessarily. She would never say how you ought to do something, um, but she was always encouraging and right there with you, letting you kind of figure out everything, um, but never figuring it out alone, always being there for you. So she was that kind of support that was, um, that, that didn't, she wasn't bossy or anything like that. She was just uh, constant and, and she loved to uh, love. Like it was not, I never, I don't think I ever felt like a burden to my mom, you mm -hmm. know? And, and that's something that I struggle with. Like I really can feel like a burden with, to people, but she was never, 
like that. And I don't know that anybody ever did around her. She just, whoever was with her in that moment was the most important person in the entire world. So that was Mm. kind of her, if I could describe her in a few ways. (laughs) What are some ways that you see her coming out in your parenting? What you... As you're taking care of Aspen, do you ever say or do things that you think, oh my goodness, I just yes. completely did exactly <laughs> what my mom used to do? Or? Yeah, she said, uh, she would say to us all the time, I love you too much to let you act like this. Or I love you too much <laughs> to let you, you know, to do this or whatever. That's a it good was, one. So yeah, do you use oh, that with yes, Aspen? Yes, yes. I love you too much, Aspen. too much, yeah. To let you get away with that. <laughs> yes, yeah. And so, so just kind of that gentle way of reminding us why she was doing what she was doing but still very firmly saying this is how things are so I I think it'd be helpful for us every one of us in um, the earshot of this podcast whether you're listening by yourself or you're listening with friends we've all been through hard times and we will at some point go through hard times what would you say to us what what would be the kinds of things we could do for friends of ours that are going through this type yeah. of situation, I, I want to say the right thing. I want to do the right, right thing. I don't want to accidentally make a hurt worse, you know? Yeah. So what would you give well, advice? <laughs> Poor Jill. She's trying so hard. Um, <laughs> she really has no voice. <laughs> um, well, let me start with some of the things that are not good to say to people who are grieving. Um, Trying to describe why something has happened is usually a bad place to go with someone who's walking through grief. Whether you say, we heard um, so many different things from people, well-meaning people, like great hearts trying to love us, um, but there are just certain things that hurt more than they help. And Mm. some of those would be um, that we heard were um, that, oh, God needed her up there with him. And it's, or that he's teaching you how to not depend on her or that oh she's in a better place or that um, that just just things like that that are when people try to explain why something happened that's just usually a bad place to go because we, we don't know because we don't know we don't yeah, know we just don't know and that's the answer that we won't ever get until heaven and so that has been we've learned a lot about even just for us as we go forward we've had so many friends that have gone, walked through grief in the past year um, or year or two that we've been able to we feel like comfort better because of what we've experienced um, so some of the things that are really helpful is not asking what can I do it's just doing something so instead of saying well let us know what you need that is like the most horrible thing to say to someone who's grieving because they're like I don't need I'm feeling everything right now Uh, so I had friends uh, that would just show up with a bag full of cookies or like when we were in the ICU my friend Denise she just showed up with cookies and a bunch of different things she hugged my neck and she left and that's all she did and that was so powerful and meaningful we didn't want really we didn't my family is really private my dad's really private and so we didn't necessarily want a huge group of people there Um, but having food was a really good thing and so that was awesome. Um, people what a just, great way to show love. Yeah, just in real ways. And um, I think really when people are grieving, it doesn't look organized. And so being okay for being okay with them being in whatever phase they need to be in, whether that's laughing about something or whether that's um, crying about something or whether that's not talking about it or whether it is talking about it, um, it's hard to know what to do with grief because it looks different for everybody. Mm-hmm. And so I think a huge part of it is just not being afraid to ask, like, how are you doing or, or, or where are you at right now in your grief um, maybe is a better way to say it. And then letting them kind of lead where you should go with that conversation. If, right. you're, if you're wanting to have a conversation with someone, and then I think that's kind of a good way to navigate it. It's interesting that you just now said something that – so it's so scriptural. You said this year we've been able to comfort people and help them yeah. because we know what they're, you know, what they're going through. Yeah. That's exactly it's a verse in the Bible. It's from Second Corinthians one four, and it says, 
and we'll start to, starting in three, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. So it's really purposeful that God comforted your family, mm-hmm. and he didn't just stop there. Right. That he, he extends the comfort through you to other people who need to be comforted. Right. And that's pretty beautiful. That's right. the body of Christ mm-hmm. yeah. loving each other. For sure, for sure. What are some things that you would recommend to other people that are going through grief? Um, I think that we... That is a really great question. I think that maybe when you walk through grief, you have this idea of a timeline and that certain things will, that you'll start to feel better at this point. And then by a year, you ought to pretty much have your life figured out and back to normal. And I don't know if that's with everybody. I really struggle with that, with thinking that, okay, well, I need to figure out how to get into a new normal because um, I can't just be affected by this my whole life. But the reality is that it does affect you the rest of your life, and that's okay. Um, And so I think having a lot of grace as you walk through grief and understanding that um, it's a long process and it's not it's a really messy process that you don't necessarily just go through the six steps of grief and then you're done that you uh, cycle back through and hit random ones at different points and so to be okay with the fact that you might be at the grocery store and have an emotional meltdown and that's that's okay that's totally part <laughs> that of may it. hit you. yes yeah oh my mom used this flower I'm gonna cry now on aisle six um, and so <laughs> I think that's a really big thing I think community is huge you cannot um, you cannot navigate it on your own and the more isolated you get with your grief um, the more damage can be done uh, in your heart and and sometimes that can lead you to making some really poor decisions or maybe um just coping in a really unhealthy way and so I think being around people um finding someone that you trust that you can talk to about it that um that's a really hard thing to do because you want people to respond in a certain way maybe I think grief when you have when you're going through grief you have a lot of expectations for how people you want people to respond and sometimes that's pretty unrealistic but it's really important to find someone who who you can trust that you feel comfortable with saying, hey, I really had a hard time getting out of bed this morning, mm-hmm. and I don't know how I'm going to make it through this day. Or, you know, this is coming up, and I can't imagine doing this. Um, yeah. So will you pray for me? Or whatever that looks like. Uh, that's huge. I think reading has been one of the greatest things that, um, that I've experienced ha- after having walked through that. Just... A, a bunch of different books that are people who have walked through I mean so many people have walked through really tragic things and then wrote about it in ways that that are just real and raw and honest and reading that kind of stuff or hearing people talk about grief that in a real and honest way is really important do you have a read. certain book that you would recommend well actually it's kind of a crazy story Brandon was at Barnes and Noble and he was looking for books. I guess it was two weeks after um, my mom had died, and this man in the aisle randomly suggested this book called uh, *Lament for a Son*, and it's by a philosopher, Nicholas Walterstorff, and he's just this brilliant writer. But he literally just journaled out his process of grieving after his son passed away, and that was huge. We we bought that for everyone in my family, and we all read it. Um, and that has been a really comforting book. I, if I, if anyone I know of goes through something, I, I just send that to I Amazon that to them um, because I think that's it was really important um, to hear those words. So that was a very mm-hmm. important book to read for us. But were there some things that have been hard lessons that um, maybe you never saw coming, but but you know about God that you now you want to to share that with other people yeah um, <clears throat> I, I 
Well, it's so funny. A year ago, I would probably answer this completely different than I am going to right We're now. We're all in a process. Yes. And a so it's really interesting to think about where I was a year ago, where I am now, and, and just the way that I approach God. I think one of the things that recently I've been really convicted about is um, that it's okay to have hope. And it's okay to pray for things that maybe... Uh, that you may know won't ever be answered or that seem unreasonable. I, I think after my mom died um, that I quit praying bold prayers. I just stopped asking God for anything mm. because I had really believed when I was praying in that ICU waiting room, I really believed she was going to snap out of it in that Saturday, Sunday. You know, we would be maybe walking through a big recovery process, but that she would have that that her life here on earth was not over. And and I prayed that boldly and I and I I don't regret that at all. Of but course. after that, I I quit praying like that for a long time. I quit asking God for bold things and not because um well, well kind of I was a little bit afraid that he just didn't that he would almost do the opposite of anything that I prayed which I know is not true, but it was just kind of something that I struggled with, that if I asked him for something, like for example, this is this is kind of silly, but I was pregnant with Aspen when I was walking through the, the that first year of grief, and I don't recall praying that she would be healthy, that she would be born healthy, which is like a very natural thing that most women, most moms, most families pray for with their babies is just like, God, would you make sure, you know, God would she be born healthy and all this stuff? And that was not something that I really could muster up the strength to pray at that point in life. Wow. Right. Yeah, because it just had, it was, I was relearning um, how to trust God, I think, after that. And um, and so recently, like now, I would say I have gotten to the point where um, that is has shifted and I am a huge proponent of praying, you know, bold, hopeful prayers because there is no false hope in, in Christianity. You know, there is no unanswered, mm-hmm. unanswered prayer in the sense of that God makes all things right. Um, just not always in the time frame that we think he will. Right. Yeah. That's a really great reminder. I, I just want to be reminded for me. I mean, I hope all the listeners out there are blessed too. But I feel like I needed to hear that today just to remember this is a good thing to ask our Heavenly Father for good gifts, to ask in boldness, Mm -hmm. to ask with confidence that we can, and He may not say yes. He may say no or not yet, Mm -hmm. but it's good to pray. Yeah, Yeah. And I think we stop it, oh God, your will be done. And if you read the rest of the prayer, it's on earth as it is in heaven, and this picture of heaven is beautiful. No tears, no no pain, no. um, And so I think it's okay to pray for those things. Um, and, and to just understand that we have to trust God's character, however that however mm-hmm. it plays out. Mm-hmm. So that's been something that's been a big journey for me um, with God and my in my relationship with God. So it's really powerful. <laughs> well, I I wondered what is it like. I, I kind of would like to shift gears a little bit here from this um, very tender topic. Which thank you for sharing. Yes, yes. Um, as you and Brandon are navigating your, you know, you're about to have your fourth anniversary and he's a full-time minister on staff and you are leading worship, um, often, often all around. What is that like balancing those both big things? Well, I, I learned really quickly that I have to ask for help. Um, especially when it comes to Aspen. So it was a little bit easier when it was just Brandon and I, and we could we just really pretty much went with each other to whatever was going on. Sure. Yeah, so if he had a camp, I just went with him. If I had a camp, he just came along. He actually learned how to play bass guitar so that he could play in the band Yeah, he's us. good. <laughs> yeah. He plays with you, right? Yeah, yeah. So he, that's a great, He was on that picture. stage at yeah, Falls Creek. he certainly was. <laughs> he was. That's his claim to fame. He, that's a great picture. Yeah. That's yeah. right. Jill someday is going to be an awesome woman bass player. Yes, she that's will. right. She's got a bass. That's, that's awesome. That's yeah, right. You can yeah. be in it. <laughs> so he wanted to be involved in everything, and um, and so we we try to be as we try to say yes to as much as possible, and to 
trust that we will figure out how to make it happen when we get there. And that's terrifying. Like, I've got a couple of things coming up this year where I'm like, oh, am I going to be able to do all that with a new baby? And just trusting that. And Brandon's really great about that. He's always like, oh, yeah, just say yes. We'll figure it out. You know, we'll figure it out as we go. I love that support. That's really good. Yeah, he is number one champion. He's awesome. Uh, So we... We trust that if we just, um, if we're faithful and good stewards of what we have, then that we'll find the support that we need, and that's always been true for us, so we just kind of go for it, um, which has resulted in an incredibly uh, busy and active life. Like, we've packed more into the past four years than most people do um, in 10, but it's been really good, and we've gotten, because of that, our community of people of faith is just huge, and, and I love that. I love that's that awesome. we're part of a big community of people. Mm-hmm. So. Do you anticipate with uh, 12 weeks from now or around there yeah. <laughs> having your son join the family that you may slow down a bit? Or do, yeah, what do you think? I, well, I actually had an event a year out booked for April 6th, which is about two weeks after my due date. And, oh, wow. Uh, yeah, and so I wow. reached out to her, and I was like, I don't Where know. Yeah. Wow, um, and Brandon's like, you can do it, and I'm like, I don't know if I can do that. Um, so yes, for sure, slowing down, uh, <laughs> for, which looks like just normal for a lot of people, slowed down for us. Um, but yeah, I think when you when you kind of you start to as a mom, you start to kind of shift your perspective, and what becomes important to you is making sure you're faithful with what's immediate right there before you step out into and, and stretch yourself in doing other things. Oh, so yeah. I think for sure. I think every working mom out there can yes, identify with yes, that. Yes, 100%. Every home, home mom can identify yeah, with that as yeah. per that matter. Mm-hmm. What do we prioritize and how do we make our, yes. our hours most wisely spend? Right. It's really a, we're all in that, yeah, <laughs> that yeah. figuring out. <laughs> for sure. Well, I was wondering, what are some of those things that are really you're loving, your books or podcasts or songs or groups that you yeah. would want to share with us today so we can enjoy how great they are? Yeah, my dad just bought me a book by Frederick Buechner. I don't know if you've heard of him. He's kind of a famous Christian writer. Um, it's called Crazy Holy Grace, and I, I read it from start to finish really fast over the Christmas break we give books each year at Christmas and that was it was a beautiful book um, that just talks about pain and stewarding our pain and how we walk through life as Christians um, it, real life messy life not mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. not just life that we kind of try and not just our Instagram feed but not the pretty our, pictures the real stuff yeah how, right. how do we steward that well yeah not the highlight reel how do we right. steward that well and so I really loved that. I um, what else am I have I been reading? Oh, I've been reading this book called Grit. Uh, I can't remember who it's by. Uh, by a psychologist, and it's just a study on um, what makes a person more prone to have grit. And it really just picks apart um, all of that. She won some awards uh, for her study on that, and that's been really cool. Just as I'm thinking about how I want to raise my kids to have grit and mm-hmm. all that, and so I've been reading through that. Um, and let's see, what am I listening to right now? Um, I think Bethel just released an album that I've been listening to bits and pieces of it. It's really good. And, uh, Brian and Katie Torwalt just released a little EP and I really enjoyed listening to that too. A lot of songs about, um, praising God in the midst of our struggles, which is Mm -hmm. interesting. And so I've really been loving that. Um, listening to those kinds of things. It's so amazing how God really does. He never wastes our pain. Right. So some of the things that come out of our lives, some of the most beautiful things, we might look back and think, you know, (laughs) I cannot think of another way that this beauty, whatever this thing is, Mm -hmm. that it would have happened without the pain I went through. And that's just, that's God's miracle. Mm -hmm. That's how he... His, his ways are higher than our ways, mm-hmm. and he yeah. brings beauty from ashes, and it, it never may make sense in our on this side of mm-hmm. eternity, but that's what he's, 
he's beautiful at making yeah. everything yeah. beautiful. I yeah. want to, there's one more quote from that book that I just shared, Crazy Holy Grace, that he says, um, God does not sow these things. He's talking about pain. God does not sow these things that happen, but he expects us to deal with these things in creative and redemptive and life-opening sorts of ways. And I think that that really mm. sums up our call um, as Christians, just to be people that are not walking through life avoiding pain, um, but taking the opportunities when they, when we encounter pain to uh, become open, life-opening sorts of ways. I love that. Just open people that are loving and giving and all of those things. Well, I feel like that's what you are, Eden. Well, thank you. I feel like you are a very open and loving person. I'm just so thankful that you shared your heart with us today, that you were willing to do this, which is a lot of bravery, and <laughs> to share something that's tender and hard. And And I just I hope that all of the listeners who are um, hearing this today, that you know you're not alone and that you know whatever you're walking through today, that you can trust God and he can handle your anger. He can handle your grief. He can handle your questions. You just know that he's got you. And and our, our whole um, pur- purpose of this podcast is to encourage women and all the people that are hearing this that you know that you can trust the Lord and that he's faithful when we're afraid he holds it together (laughs) so thank you thank you for being with us today and for having me it was a really fun interview so thank you so much so I know you guys enjoyed listening to Eden her story is very compelling Um, I'm back with my DJ voice by the way Um, So also, we wanted to remind you that if you love this podcast, please subscribe on iTunes. And also, we would appreciate um, if you would rate and review the podcast. That helps other people be able to find us. So if you wouldn't mind going on and doing that, preferably with a five-star rating. That's right. Please. We would hopefully love your five stars. (laughs) And we would share this on your social media. That's another way to get the story out and to encourage other people that that you're connected to. And today, we are really glad that we got to have that amazing conversation with Eden, and we want to thank her again for coming and sharing her story. We'll end today with Eden's song, Faithful. We hope you love it. Have a great day.